Uh, welcome to our nightly shared Shara B'Tochen from Cheves Lavaves. Uh, tonight is Gimel Tamuz, which is the yard site of Lavavich Rebbe, Zechat Sadek Levrocha. And uh, I actually thought about whether or not we should have a, a class tonight because uh, Gimel Tamuz is a it's a busy day and it's a special day, uh, and then uh, it didn't take me too long to come to the conclusion that that Eva probably uh, wouldn't be too happy if we said that we had a set shear that we're learning every night, Baruch Hashem, and then we didn't learn because of the Rebbe's yard site. So uh, no, we definitely have to learn everything that we normally learn, plus more. So, um, yeah, we're going to keep the normal shear. Um, maybe we'll talk a little bit also, a little bit more about Gimel Tamas before, before we finish. But, um, okay, let's, let's try to learn a little bit. Um, we're in the middle of Perek Dalad. We're in the middle of Chapter Four of Cheves Lavaves of 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 of, of Cheves Lavaves, and uh, we the general topic of the Perek is where Bitochin is appropriate and where it's inappropriate, or appropriate ways of exhibiting your Bitochin and inappropriate ways of of exhibiting or demonstrating Bitochin. And one of the things we've been talking about is sort of the paradox of, although, of course, everything is bashert, everything's in, in Hashem's hands, but that doesn't exempt the person from acting responsibly. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it, it is a paradox. And yesterday, last night's shir, I kind of, maybe I went a little bit too philosophical uh, trying to explain some of that paradox. Uh, Rabina Bechaya doesn't really address it and doesn't try to reconcile it on a philosophical level. But uh, I, I, I went into a little bit, uh, but that's not really the main point. The main point is um, direction. Rebbein uh, is telling us how to behave. And a Baal is not somebody, is not a Wilder Mensch, is not a person who acts in wild, irresponsible ways. They act in regular ways. And like I explained last night, what's the nafkamina, the, 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 the actual difference? The difference is, if a person with no Betochen and a person with Betochen both act responsibly, so what's the difference? The difference is, the person with Betochen knows that his acting responsibly is not the source of his security, Hashem is the source of his security, and that he's just acting responsibly because that is the system that Hashem set up. Okay, so if you remember, we left off last night, we were talking about somebody who endangers himself. He does risky things. You're not supposed to do that. Because either, God forbid, you get yourself, you know what, we don't want to say, um, which is, Rebbeinu B'chayah says, is a very not good thing to do. Um, the, the, the liability, the culpability is, is, is very great for somebody who causes himself, uh, who, who mortally endangers himself. All right, so that's one possibility. And then we left off. We had the cliffhanger last night, if you remember. Um, or there's another possibility. Okay? So what's the other possibility? You know, there was a guy on the flight to uh, Eretz Yisrael, El Al. 
So the, uh, the flight attendant comes over and she says, it's dinner. He says, what are my options? She says, two options. You eat or you don't. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we have two scenarios here. We've said if a person endangers himself, he does risky things. One option, one scenario is he's going to get himself killed, God forbid, okay? Which is certainly not a good thing. What's the other option? The other option, or he won't get himself killed. But let, let, let's explain that, okay? Or maybe he'll get saved. He'll get rescued. Hashem will save him, even though... He was a fool and he endangered, endangered himself. And what will happen? So, oh, so that was good. I got saved. No, no, no. He's going to lose his merit and his reward. Like our sages of blessed memory told us regarding this very matter. A person, this is the Gemara in Shabbos, Daf Lamed Beis, Ahmed Aleph, should not endanger himself and then say, well, maybe Hashem will do a miracle, lest Hashem does not do the miracle. Okay, that was the first scenario, but we didn't finish the, the Maimir Chazal. But however, let's say Hashem does do the miracle and does save the person, even though he endangered himself. His merits will be diminished. You're going to say, that's eh, okay. How, how, many, how many merits does it cost? No, no, I just want to make sure I can afford it. It's okay, I'll pay. <laughs> not, that's not what this is. When the sages say, don't do it, or either you'll get yourself killed, God forbid, or you won't get yourself killed, but you're going to deplete all your merits, they don't mean it's a suggestion, like it's good advice. Oh, you don't want to use up your merits. No, they're telling us, don't do that. Okay, do not do that. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to fritter away. Your your Indeed, this is what Yankivino said. I become small, meaning diminished from all of the kindness. In other words, he was concerned before he confronted Esav that even though Hashem had promised him that before he left home, Hashem already promised him that eventually you will return home in safety. So Yankiv is now worried, well, hold on, maybe I won't be returned home in safety. Why not? Hashem already promised you. Oh, because maybe since that time, I spent my merits because so much kindness, all the kindnesses that were already done for me. So maybe maybe I've been diminished. I already used up my, uh, my credits. And the Targum says, translating... That Pasuk, Ze'eron Zachvosai Mikol Chistin Umikol Havavon. My merits are diminished by all the kindness and favors. So don't do it. Don't endanger yourself. Don't put yourself in a situation which, naturally speaking, everyone knows is dangerous because either, God forbid, it's not going to turn out okay or god forbid also it will turn out turn out okay but in order to uh, to make that happen you're diminishing your merits which 
It's not at your discretion to do so. Hashem doesn't want you to do that. Okay? All right. Let's, let's continue. Just like what we have said regarding life and death issues, the same principle applies to the duty of seeking the proper means of preserving one's health, obtaining food, clothing, shelter, acquiring worthy qualities, good midos, and avoiding what uh, goes against them. At the very same time, maintaining the clear conviction that the means to these cannot help at all unless Hashem decrees it. So again, that paradox, that just like you're not allowed to endanger your life, you have to do things that are responsible in a natural way, so too when it comes to seeking the proper means of maintaining your health, you're not allowed to kill yourself all at once. Who says you're allowed to kill yourself slowly over time, right? Okay? Um, getting food, getting clothing, getting shelter, obtaining good midas. It's interesting that he puts obtaining good midas, becoming a mensch in the same category as uh, food, clothing, and shelter. Okay, you have to pursue all of those things. At the same time, you have to know that your hishtadlis going after those things, the effort that you put into those things, that's not what makes them happen. What makes them happen is Hashem decrees that they should happen, but you still have to put forth natural effort in all of these areas. Okay. Let's continue. Now he's going to give an example. Like, for example, the owner of a field should plow it and clear it of thorns and sow it and water it if water is available. And at the same time, that He's relying on Hashem, may be exalted to make it fertile, to protect it from disasters, to increase its yield, and to bless it. And he should not leave the earth untilled and unsown, relying on the Creator's predetermination that, will, that it will bear fruit without him first sowing seed. Meaning even if Hashem wants him to have a great yield, he's got to do all the work. It's not that the work creates the yield, but in order for Hashem to give him what Hashem wants to give him, he has to go through the, those measures. I mean, I mentioned this joke before, but it's like the classic, you know, hishtadless joke, so. And I think this is class 20 or maybe 21. This is class 21. So by, by now, by the way, you know the rule of public speaking, yeah? how often you could repeat material, how often you can recycle. If you're a rabbi, how often can you recycle material? So a good joke, 
problem with a good joke, people remember a good joke for a long time. So like every 20 classes, you know, that's why it's class 21, so I could repeat this joke. So like every 20 classes, you could probably repeat the same joke. And by that time, people, you know, forgot it. They'll laugh again. A good story, people remember, not as long as a good joke, but a story you could repeat like every 10 classes. Um, that's how long it takes them to forget. And a Dvar Torah, you could repeat multiple times in the same class because nobody even heard it the first time. Okay, so, uh, yeah, the classic Hishtadlis joke about the guy who says, Oh, Hashem, I want to win the lottery. And Hashem says, Okay, you're going to win the lottery. Oh, hooray. And then the next day he says, Hashem, you told me you're going to win the lottery, that I'm going to win the lottery. And Hashem said, Did you buy a ticket? Did you buy I didn't deliver it well because my heart wasn't in it because it's such an old joke. But did you buy a ticket? All right. 234. We numbered the jokes around here. Son, it's not the joke. It's the way you tell it. Okay, that joke itself has a number. Anyways, did you buy a ticket? All right. So if a guy is a, what do we call him, a balhua dama an owner of a field. Obviously, even if Hashem has decreed that he's supposed to have produce, he's got to go, go through the work. Okay. We said about a, uh, a farmer, but the same thing with artisans, merchants, and laborers. They are obligated to look for a livelihood, to pursue a livelihood simultaneously while having trust in Hashem, that their sustenance is in Hashem's hands, in Hashem's uh, discretion. And that Hashem guarantees it to a man and provides it to him by whatever means he pleases. And he should not think that the intermediary, the means to the parnosa, is what's actually helping him or hurting him at all. And if one obtains his livelihood by one of the various means that he has employed, okay, so he goes and he pursues a living and it works, he shouldn't become accustomed now to relying on that cause, on that, it's not really a cause, it's the opposite of a cause, but that intermediary, that conduit, that uh, pipeline for the Parnasa. He shouldn't be like happy about it. And, and, and he shouldn't, he shouldn't be like strengthen his trust in it and uh, become attached to it. How else would you say leho? It means he has an emotional attachment toward it. Don't do that. Because that will weaken his trust in Hashem. It's not appropriate to think that these things are benefiting him any more than Hashem has already decreed. And he shouldn't be happy about his involvement 
in this line of work. He should thank Hashem, the Creator, Asher Hitrifei, who, who sustains him, after he has toiled. Hashem makes it that you don't toil in vain. But again, it's not that there's actual cause and effect here. It's that, we talked about it before, it's, deni- it's plausible deniability. You're providing a, an alibi for Hashem to miraculously sustain you by doing something natural that would account for the sustenance that he gives you. like it says, You will eat of the fruit of the labor of your hands. You will be happy and it will be well with you. Okay, so interesting, we mentioned, you know, you shouldn't become, like, emotionally attached to, to the job. Uh, at the same time, it's interesting, uh, Rabbi Yankiv Emden says that you shouldn't become, like, emotionally attached to the, to the job, but you also shouldn't abandon it. You shouldn't walk away from it if uh, you've had success in it. In other words... It's not something that's actually determining your livelihood, uh, so don't become emotionally attached to it. But at the same time, if this has been a good clee for Parnosa, then just you know continue to do it. Don't don't walk away from it, and that's generally good advice. That's advice that's been given to me many times in life, and I've generally followed it, which is that you know sometimes after a while a certain clee for Parnosa dries up, or you know that's not where. It just doesn't work anymore. Um, Hashem is moving you on to the next thing. But if, if there's a kli for Parnosa that's still working, you don't, you don't walk away from it. Don't, don't uh, you know, there have to be very, very compelling reasons to walk away from a kli that is still delivering what it needs to deliver. Okay. Um... There's a question here. So even if Hashem decreed he has to go through Ishtadlis, so will he change the decree if no Ishtadlis? That's a good question. Um, again, Rebbeinu Bechai is not getting all philosophical over here. Um, but you could infer something. Remember what he said about endangering your life, right? That one of two possibilities, right? Like, what are, the, what are the options for dinner? You eat or you don't, right? What are the options? If you endanger your life, either you get yourself killed, God forbid, or you won't. Neither of them are good. Because, well, the first one's obvious why it's not good. The second one is because you're, you're, you're cashing in your, your, your schusim. So, when Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar starts talking about uh, working for a living, he says, he, said, he compares it initially to the same principle that he just said regarding, um, regarding protecting uh, your, your safety and your life. In other words, you could assume that the same principle applies here, that um, if, just like if you don't take care of your, your, your safety, your health, either you get yourself killed, God forbid, or you won't get yourself killed, but it'll deplete your schusim. So it could be the same thing. If, if, if you don't work... So you're not going to get what you're supposed to get. Um, and what does that mean? Does it change Hashem's decree? There are ways of understanding that as not changing His decree. And, and, and I'll, put it, I'll put it this way. Um, you could still have that parnasa coming to you. And look, let's say if there's food on the plate right in front of you, but you don't lift the fork to put it in your mouth. Did Hashem not feed you? He fed you. You just didn't 
pick up the food and put it in your mouth. Okay, so what if you won't go to work? So Hashem earmarked Parnassa for you. He put it in your account. You didn't go to the ATM machine with, with, with the card and take it out. You didn't make a withdrawal. So it's still there. It's still yours technically, but you didn't go do what you have to do to take it out. Okay, or alternatively, um, maybe Hashem will miraculously just make sure that it get, gets to you even though you didn't do what you're supposed to do. But the same thing we could infer from what he said about endangering your life, that you're, you're actually, you're, it's going to come out of your merits, which is not a good thing. So, yeah, either way, just better to pursue the regular natural challenge, uh, channels. Okay. Um, is that understood? That makes sense, what we just said? All right. The Amr Echad bin Achsidim, one of the pious said, Ani Pameya. I am astounded by one who, after giving to his fellow what the Creator has decreed shall belong to the latter, then reminds the latter of the great favor he has done for him, and he wants to be thanked for it. In other words, as the Teva Lavanin explains over here, the giver was a shliach. Hashem has many messengers. So the giver was the shliach of Hashem to sustain the recipient. And now the shliach wants the recipient to thank him. That would be like the, the FedEx guy comes and delivers a present your mother sent you. And then the FedEx guy says, no, where's my thank you? Okay, thanks for doing your job. No, well, then I sent you a nice gift this year. You didn't send it to me. My mother sent it to me. You didn't send it to me. Right? Okay, same thing. You're just the shliach. I'm also, I'm even more astounded. One receives his livelihood from another person who is bound to provide it to him, meaning it was decreed that that's what should happen, and, and yet the recipient humbles himself before the provider, compliments him and praises him. Oh, thank you so much for giving me my parnasa. He didn't give you your parnasa. He was just the conduit. He was just the delivery system. The worker has to know. The boss signs the check. But Hashem is giving you your livelihood. Your boss doesn't give you the livelihood. And the same thing, the boss has to know. that He's signing checks, but he's not actually giving anyone their sustenance. He is lucky that he is the channel through which Hashem is giving sustenance. Okay, here's what I want to do. Because, because it's Gimel Tammuz, I want to share something cool with you. Since we're talking about Arnosa, and uh, not becoming overly attached to the conduit, to the vessel through which Hashem brings us the Parnasa. So I wanted to share this with you. This is a beautiful Ksav Yad Kodshei of the Rebbe. It's in English. This is a letter that the Rebbe wrote to Zalman Jaffe. We mentioned Zalman Jaffe in a, in a class, I don't know, early, early on in this series. So after the Rebbe's signature, the Rebbe writes, don't worry so much about business, more bitochen, more parnosa. That's the formula. More bitochen, more parnosa.
Beautiful, huh? Love that. I'll just share with you that um, there are a lot of Svarim in the world. And there's the reason that, that I've been giving this class and focusing on Shara Betochen is because of, first of all, the Rebbe's emphasis on Betochen, Bechlal, and then specifically because the Rebbe recommended so strongly and so many times the study of Shara Betochen. So, <laughs> and I'm sure you've noticed that in the past 21 classes, how often we have drawn upon the Rebbe's teachings and explanations, the Rebbe's letters, the Rebbe's sichas, in order to understand um, the, uh, the Sefer. So for me, the, the study of Shara B'tochen is a... Uh, it's... it's how, how do I put this? Um, you know, they once asked the Chassid. It was it was it was actually Elchanan Daiv Marazov, who was a secretary of the Friedrich Rebbe. They said to him, "Who's greater, your Rebbe or Meishe Rabbeinu?" So he said, "My Rebbe." He said, "You think your Rebbe is greater than Meishe Rabbeinu?" He says, "If not for my Rebbe, I wouldn't know Meishe Rabbeinu." There's a lot of ways you could explain that statement. What that means, by the way, but. Uh, you know, if not for the Rebbe, you know, I, I wouldn't be learning Shara B'tochen. And uh, even if I would have found it, you know, I would have to understand it the way that we're understanding it in this class and to really to look into it and to search through it and to take it so seriously. Anyways, okay, so I'm just letting you know, uh, you know, on Gimel Tamas that... When we're studying Shara B'tochen, for me, this is, this is all part of, of, of learning the Rebbe's Torah. And uh, I know, I know, Rebbeinu B'chaya lived a thousand years ago in Spain, uh, a long time before the Lubavitcher Rebbe. But uh, in a certain way, the Rebbe made Cheves Lubavus a chassidisha sefer. And uh, especially our understanding of it, the way that we we approach it is, uh, I think, different, very different, because of the way that Rebbe explains it, the Rebbe's whole approach. There's a question here, what's the ratio of Betochen versus Ishtadlis? It's an interesting question, and, I, and I, I would decline to answer it, and I'll tell you why. Because when you phrase it as a ratio, when you formulate it as a ratio, that's implying that there's some type of erech, like there's a comparison. They're, they're not be'erech, they're not comparable to each other whatsoever. And, and I'll, I'll make it very simple to explain it. If they were comparable, if they were be'erech to each other, then there should be an exchange rate. There should be an amount of betochen that is equivalent to an amount of ishtadlis, even if it's very, very skewed. Right? How many pesos go into a dollar? I don't know, but there's there is an amount, right? So how much ishtadlis would it take? How many units of ishtadlis does it take to equate one unit of bitochen? Right? Right? You hear that? You hear that? It's a, it's a, the, it's a false 
equation. There is no amount of hishtalus that ever equals any amount of betochen. They're, they're apples and oranges. They're two totally different things. So it's not about ratio at all. Everything is betochen, and everything is Hashem's brachas. That's everything. Hishtalus is a separate cheshben. It's a totally separate cheshben. Hishtalus doesn't cause anything to happen. It's not making anything happen. Hishtalus is just the front. Hishtalus is just so that Hashem can have deniable plausibility. Because otherwise you're going to have him break nature, which he doesn't want to do, because the whole point is that we should be co-creators, and we should make a dira betachtenim. We should make a dira betachtenim. doesn't just mean a dwelling place in the lower realms. It also means, like the Rebbe explained so many times, al yidei maise atachtenim, that it should become through our, our efforts. So really, how is anything through our efforts? Everything's Hashem's efforts. Hashem does everything. Okay, fine. But at least, at least there should be the, um, the appearance that we are causing things to happen. And, uh, you know, that's, that's our partnership with him. That's our partnership. He provides, the, <laughs> he provides everything, and we, we put a face on it. You know, we're the, we're the face of the company, right? We're like the celebrity spokesperson. We're the face that everybody sees. He's, he's really, he's got all the resources. He's got all the ideas. It's his plan. But, you know, when, when, the, when there's a shareholders meeting, we're the one who sits there and acts as if we're running the company, right? Okay. All right. Um, thanks again for joining us. And um, Yetz Hashem will uh, we'll continue uh, tomorrow night the rest of Chapter 4.